The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You took a break, you searched your soul, and now the world's your lover. Making the world your lover. That's what we're here to do, my darlings. That's what we do through my online joy school at lisamacourt.com, through my newest book, Free Your Joy, The 12 Keys to Sustainable Happiness. And it's what we're going to do right here, right now together on the Do Joy podcast, where I bring you fascinating guests with powerful insights for elevating your personal vibration. Deep lasting happiness is a skill you can learn, and I'm so honored to be on this journey with you. Hello again, beautiful listener tribe. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate your curiosity and your enthusiasm for pulling on those threads that we're always pulling at together here, for understanding and ever deepening ways how it all works on this crazy ball spinning through space how we weird creatures called human beings operate and why we do what we do. My guest for this podcast has been asking that question throughout her illustrious career. She was recently spotlighted at Joy School, and I know you are going to love the conversation we had with her. So here you go. Ravinder Taylor is president of Progressive Awareness Research, a company dedicated to bringing the very best in personal growth products and services. She holds a Bachelor of Science in Microbiology and a Bachelor's in Metaphysics from the University of Metaphysics and is an ordained interdenominational minister. Remind me to ask you about that later. Ravinder's work with Progressive Awareness began by co-authoring the Peripheral Learning Desk Reference, a volume dedicated to reviewing thousands of research studies examining pre-conscious learning. She then spent the following 30 years researching both the theory behind why we do what we do and the practical applications to this learning. Ravinder greatly enjoys sharing this information in weekly newsletters and her thousands of one-on-one interactions with individuals seeking guidance for breaking through blocks to success. Ravinder has also been directly involved in the creation of over 200 personal motivation audio programs utilizing the inner talk technology, which I know she'll tell us more about tonight. Welcome, my beautiful friend. 
Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. Uh, before we start, though, I want to c congratulate you on your book. Your book is amazing. I finally got around to reading it right before Christmas. Um, it is full of very practical tips and exercises in there. But I think the most beautiful part was it felt like I had you right beside me. You were my personal coach, and it, it it's just beautiful. You, you've done a you've done a fabulous job, but it's it's a very important service that you provide. And you know, you actually walk your talk that I can personally vouch for, and I think that's what makes your work so incredible. So I just wanted to take a moment to congratulate you. Thank you so much. I'm going to rub that right into my heart. That's our, our joy school lingo for wanting to deflect. We say, no, I'm going to rub that in. I'm going to rub every drop of that in. And that, that means a lot to me coming from you. So thank you. Thank you for that. I've been so excited for this opportunity to pick your personal brain on these fascinating topics. I've hosted your husband, Dr. Taylor, many times, and y'all have been so incredibly supportive always of my work, which I appreciate so much, the opportunities to be on the radio show and programs. But you and I go back far in our own right. I remember spending time with you at a Hay House conference over a decade ago yeah. and just being really sort of enamored with your light and your presence and your energy. And I know that your own wisdom and research has always been a large presence, even if it wasn't always the face of the work that you and Eldon have been putting out into the world for all these years. So I've been excited about this chance to to really just get get into it with you. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've kept myself in the background most of the time, but I've been heavily involved in the research behind it. Um, and of course, you know, I've spoken to thousands of people one-on-one -on -one and I enjoy doing that. I enjoy seeing how people benefit from the work. You know, we have customers who I've spoken to repeatedly and heard their success stories. And then, then we hear from other people and that's what makes the hard work worthwhile when you see that it's actually making a difference. 100%. I, I know what you mean with that. It's really, really beautiful and true. So in Joy School and on the Do Joy podcast, we're always exploring those default thinking patterns, those programs that we're all running that for most of us, let's just say it, they are not conducive to our joy. That's just the way it is. So the more awareness that we bring to these programs, the more we can work with them. And I know that you are going to shed so much light on that for us tonight. So maybe let's just start there. Explain from the perspective of your research why it is that we have these programs running. That is a big question, why we have them. You know, that comes down to... Um, enculturation, programming, manipulations. Um, yeah, it's, it's it, it comes from everywhere. And what you have to realize is that all of our experiences, our personal experiences, the entertainment that we choose, all of those experiences, that information remains in our subconscious minds. And it's our subconscious minds that, that run most of what we do. Um, that's, where, that's where all the choices are made. And there's a great deal of science behind that that actually shows all of that. So um, it's important, I think, 
you know, you can have you can have positive practices, you can put stuff in place, but until you understand how the information gets in there in the first place, until you understand how your mind actually works and what you can do, then it's gonna it's gonna dictate to you what goes on as opposed to empower you know being empowered yourself to do it and that's what you know our work is all about it's all about personal empowerment it's about taking the information and making it personal taking the information and finding out um how to um how to fit that in your own life you know you can have all of these ideas but um how you you make it work for yourself and if you don't understand the processes behind it, then you've just got this recipe that doesn't necessarily meld with, with your own life. So that has been a huge focus of what we've been doing, you know, trying to understand how it gets in there. But yeah, the picture that the story, it's a big, it's a big story. You know, when you look at the different parts of the mind, the subconscious, the pre-conscious, you look at manipulation and compliance principles and, um, you know, there's it, it's, it's huge. It's huge. But when you have an understanding of it, you can take the information, you can take the science out there and make it personal, make it work for you. The fact is we have more control then we think we do, but we have to take it. Mm. We have to take control. And um, yeah, that's, that's what beautiful. the book is all about. Yeah, 100%, because we just don't understand otherwise why we can make a decision. And it seems so clear in one moment, and then we find ourselves doing the opposite. I, I love how you spoke to that. Has this always been a passion for you? What's been your progression into this work? Um, You know, my... My introduction to this was was rather interesting. I come from a science background. My degree's in microbiology. Um, I worked in a path lab. I would say I was a science snob. You know, if you couldn't prove it, it didn't mean anything. There are things I did back then that, you know, I could be ashamed or embarrassed about today. The things that I mocked, Reiki, the first time I encountered Reiki, you know, it's like, you're kidding me. So if I give you $50, you'll wave your hands over me and make me better. But if I give you $75, you'll show me how to do it. And I have since learned about That's bargain. <laughs> I, I do a whole bunch of stuff. So my mind is a whole lot more open. But what happened was, um, when I was in the path labs, I was working at the Lester Royal Infirmary in the public health lab there. Um, and one day they were putting up flyers everywhere because there was a hypnotist coming to do a presentation. And this presentation was being done for the doctors, the nurses, lab technicians, anybody working working there could go to it. Um, and that, I suppose, that, that opened the door a crack, this idea that, there was a hypnotherapist coming and it was authorized by the hospital. Well, that gave it a quasi endorsement. But what made it more fascinating was, you know, of course, there was a huge auditorium. The auditorium was packed. People were sitting in the aisles. Um, and in my own lab, in the microbiology, bacteriology lab, there are about 70 people that, that work in there. And 
they were all seated in different parts of the auditorium. Coincidentally, when the lecturer wanted to bring up subjects, he chose them from different parts of the auditorium, but it just happened that the three people he chose were from my lab. So I had definitive proof that they were, were not just shills. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got to see, you know, he put a pin through a colleague's arm, Martin, um, you know, to demonstrate the hypnosis and the analgesia. Um, he had this other colleague of mine, Dawn, forget the number six. So, you know, under hypnosis, he he primed that and he brought her out of hypnosis and told her to count to 10 and she missed that number. Um, but as I said, I knew for a fact that they weren't shills and, th- and that this stuff was real. Um, and then he told us a story that I found fascinating and I think that's what triggered it all. But he reported... Um, patient coming coming to him and this w- woman had a pain in her arm she'd had the pain in her arm for about a decade I think you know this was this is going back a long way so some of my memories are a little bit fuzzy um, but she'd had the pain in her arm for about 10 years she had seen all the doctors all the specialists all the experts they couldn't do anything under hypnosis he took her back to the significant event that triggered it And what she remembered was some emotional trauma, but it was in the past. You know, it was this person hurt me or that. I mean, I don't know exactly what the trauma was, but it was a type of thing that, you know, we all have them. We all experience them, but it's in the past. What is that? What relationship does that have with um, the pain in her arm? But what happens frequently, we see this time and time again, when the information makes itself known, it loses its power. So after the hypnotherapy session, the woman went home and the following day or the day after she called the hypnotherapist and said, the pain's gone. The pain had actually gone that very evening, but she didn't believe it. So she gave it a bit longer before she called. Um, And I found that, I found it fascinating you know, why would an emotional event back then have an influence right now? And that has been where all of this started. I then went and uh, I attended the um, National College of Hypnotherapy and Psychotherapy. I did a three-year course there. And that was also how I ended up meeting Eldon, because at the very end of the course, you know, as a special class, they had him come over, you know, talking about subliminal. So it all kicked off from there. But yeah, I was fascinated, fascinated by the mind, fascinated by the influence that it has and wanting to learn um, how to use the information in practical ways. Beautiful. Yeah, I, I can, I can see, I can relate that when once you realize, oh, there's this whole thing going on over here that people don't understand and, and realize it just becomes like, all you want to do is show it to people and like, find out more about it and keep pulling back that veil. Uh, that's beautiful. So is it almost like a form of hypnosis, these, these programs that, that get installed early on? I know you talk about self-sabotage. Nobody would consciously want to hurt their chances of success or happiness. How do you, how do you 
put all that together? It's not, it's one of the most common questions I can get. You know, I can get someone call me up on the phone. Um, and then when I suggest self-sabotage, they say, why would I do that? I want to lose weight. I want to achieve this. I want to achieve that. I'm doing everything. This is what I want. Why would I block it? Um, and one of the things that I found through the thousands of people I've spoken to is that, you know, self-sabotage frequently has its roots in trying to protect you from getting hurt again. Um, you know, so perhaps in the in the case of this woman, you know, she had the pain in her arm, but maybe some part of her thought that, you know, the emotional situation, the trauma that, that she had gone through, she had caused it in some way. And so subconsciously, if she had a pain in her arm, that would remind her not to do it again. You know, the subconscious works in in really, really strange ways sometimes. Um, so, yeah, we have we have all of these ideas. We have all of these beliefs. And if you don't get to the core of the of the of the issue, you're not going to solve the problem. So you can say, OK, I, I want to lose weight i'm going to go on a diet blah 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 i'm going to do all the right things it's healthy um you know that's definitely i don't know why i keep picking on weight um weight doesn't oh, really matter but yeah. just an example um right <laughs> but you know you can have all of that in place but if deep in your subconscious mind there is the idea that um if I've been through a trauma, I deserve a treat because mom would always give us a treat, a bowl of ice cream. I need that. Um, or if, you know, what can frequently happen is young people go through puberty, their bodies change and all of that. And sometimes there's sexual attention or just the confusion about the body changes and you don't want people looking at you. And so you can be afraid of that. So maybe you pack on the weight there. Well, being aware today that it's healthy for me isn't dealing with the underlying, I don't want people looking at me. I don't want people looking at me in, in that way. Or the anxiety and the stress and those habits that have us reaching for ice cream. You know, it feels good. Or the idea that I, I deserve, I deserve a treat. So therefore I'll have that brownie and ice cream because I've been good. But all of that programming, you know, comes out. It all it all comes into play. So do you feel that in order for these programs to be drained of their power, to lose their hold on us, do you feel that the very specific, precise memory needs to be accessed? Or I, I feel like I've heard some experts say it doesn't really, you have to understand what's going on in a general sense, but you don't have to have the specific memory. What's your take that on that? That is a wonderful question. Um, and there isn't a, a definitive answer. There are some instances where you do need to go back and dig out that trauma and sort it out. But for most of us, um, you know, we're not dealing with, you know, buried memories of some, you know, huge event. Um, for most of us, we're just dealing with small things, small things that we want to improve on. It's a case of always trying to trying to be better. So, yeah, there, there is a time to look backwards, 
but I rarely ever do that. I have done that. I've been through hypnotherapy. You know, I've been around digging around. Um, but no, I think frequently if you look at it today and say, okay, I am aware that there there is subconscious programming in there. I'm aware that I have experiences. Um, you can you can then go forwards. But one of the things that I also found um, is that the more you understand that that's where the answers can be, the more you trust yourself in asking those questions, asking yourself. You don't have to reveal it to anyone else. This can be a very personal process, but you can say to yourself, why am I doing this? What do I get out of it? What is the benefit? And that's a really hard thing when, you, when you're suffering in some way or other to say, what is the advantage of, of this particular suffering? The more you ask yourself those questions, the more your subconscious mind will reveal them. And they'll reveal it a little bit at a time. Remember, it's it's there to protect you from getting hurt. So it's not going to dump everything in one go, but it will tell you a little bit. And what you also will find is that traumas often come in layers. It's not just there's one event and that's it. You can have the one one event and it can be huge and it can be tiny, but then there's lots of events that reinforce that. So digging through hypnotherapy can make it a huge long process. But so I would say you don't have to do that in most instances. Um, you can ask yourself those questions. You can learn to trust yourself, but then start taking active steps to go in the other direction. Um, so if you have these thoughts in your mind, the more, as I said, the more you dig around, you, you'll start, you'll, you'll become aware of patterns. So yeah, um, I've got a habit of just eating on the sofa at night. Um, so and you want to change some of that thinking and you can do that going forwards absolutely that's what um the inner talk technology is all about uh, it's about changing that self-talk so that it is positive and it supports you in your goals and so yeah the vast majority of the time that's what you need to do you want to change change that programming um but you want to pay attention to what's going on out there because it's not everything isn't in the past you know these influences come forward. So I've got a friend um, who is about the, the same age as me. And, but she will often come in and say, oh, Ravinda, at our age, we've got to start taking it slower. And, you know, we can't do the things that we used to do. And I shut her down every time. I tell her not to talk that way. Don't create limitations. Don't create blocks. I'm going to live my life as fully as I possibly can for the very last moment. You know, if something happens and I can't walk, well, that's, you know, that's what happens. I'm not going to make it happen sooner. I'm not going to age myself faster. So you shut that, you shut that down and you pay attention to the entertainment. You know, if you're addicted to those dramas where, you know, the person is being abused, you, you open yourself up to that. So, I pay attention to the entertainment that I watch. I don't watch the the big sad things. I don't watch all of this. I like um, I like 
to watch TV that can maybe teach me more about myself? What would I do in that situation? How would I? Ha- what's a better way around that? Um, so yeah, and then that there's lots of other just mechanical things that you can do. You know, we often think um, I'm happy, therefore I smile. Okay, that works the other way around too. If you smile you will become happier. They've actually demonstrated that. You know, if you put a pencil between your lips, um, which forces you into a smile, then um, that will produce some of the happy brain chemicals. You know, so you can actually do that. And it has really long-term effects as well. Um, There's two different research papers that I looked at where they looked at... um, in one instance, they looked at high school photographs, okay? And in the other one, they looked at baseball cards and the pictures. And what they found is that people who smile, who were smiling in those pictures would live longer, wow. would live healthier, would be happier. And smiling is huge. I wasn't aware until I really started digging into all of this, you know, how many people don't smile? They don't smile very much, you know. Um, Smiling is infectious. It makes you feel happier. It makes someone else feel happier. So one of the things that I've started to do, this is just one of those little, little things, you know, the small things add up. So I try to do lots of, lots of these small things. But And I came across this information about smiling. I decided, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smile more. So what I did, you know, is every time I go to the bathroom, I'll wash my hands. And ever since COVID, I've washed my hands a whole lot more thoroughly. So it takes a little bit longer, but I will look in the mirror and I will smile to myself. And I will say, you can do it. It's okay, you know. And you'll be surprised at that little uplift they're they're small but there are loads of places that you can get that little uplift they also found that with smiling um there is what they call the duchenne smile which is the full smile that reaches all the way up to your eyes you know when your eyes crinkle up and it's all you know they have found that that also helps to uh, produce the happy brain chemicals Um, So I actually tested this out for myself. Um, My blood pressure has always been excellent. But during COVID, I lost a family member, which is always really hard. There was just a bunch of trauma that went on and I found my blood pressure creeping up. So what I did, um, my blood pressure is always good. You know, even at this point, it was like 125 over 78 so it's not like it was bad but I actually ran a test myself um fortunately I was at home on my own so there wasn't anyone to look at my funny faces but I put on a blood pressure cuff I got my reading it was like 125 over 78 and then I put on the biggest smile that I could you know making sure my eyes were crinkled up too And I also did the diaphragmatic breathing, um, you know, which is a part of meditation, 
you know, so we, we can go into that a whole lot more, but that's when you take a breath so much that, you know, you feel your diaphragm expand. And if you try to do that, you'll find that relaxation response that comes along as well. Well, anyway, I did that. I did the two of them together. I took a few, just a few. It's not a lot, like three nice, big, slow breaths. I could feel my diaphragm expand. I've got this silly smile on my face. A couple of minutes afterwards, my blood pressure had dropped 30 points. 30 points, it, that's it, amazing. It was that it was that quick. It was that it was that effective. Now it doesn't hold, but you know, when you do these little things a few times a day, you know, I do that when I when I go to sleep at night. Um, I'm in bed. I'll do a few big diaphragmatic breaths. Then I will say, okay, what am I grateful for today? Which is another aspect. You know, what am I grateful for today? And we've all got stuff we can be grateful for, even if if it's the days at the end, I'm in bed. You know, I'm warm, I'm comfortable, I'm in bed. There's always something to be grateful for. And there's a whole, you know, when you start the process, you find more and more. So what am I grateful for? And then I also do my prayers because I want to be a better person. I constantly strive to be a better person. I can do this better. I don't compete with the world out there. I just like Jonathan Livingston Seagull. I want to go higher and higher. I want to, I, yeah, sorry. That can sound a bit corny. I just work at being a better person. That's my exercise at night. And I can fall asleep within a few minutes every night. It works and sleep as well, of course, is super healthy. And I'm taking all those happy chemicals into my sleep, which help me to, to sleep better and it's healthier and it helps my brain grow. And yeah, sorry, that was a long-winded answer. <laughs> no, that was perfect. We always give home play on the, the podcast and at Dreyskull. So, so there you go. Anyone who would like to take that nighttime routine or any of those just just little tweaks like Ravinder was was speaking of the smiling and yeah it's beautiful to do in the mirror for yourself but take it into the grocery store and watch the the whole grocery store get turned around by you smiling at everybody it it really works and and it's uh proven it works anecdotally and it works scientifically so thank you for reminding Absolutely. us of that and sharing that I love that and to uh, to get back to the self-sabotage discussion, I know that I find it's pretty easy to spot it in other people and not so easy to spot it in ourselves. Do you have some kind of like a step-by-step -step protocol or anything? I, maybe you've already spoken into it about just really being the observer of your habits and tendencies. If you catch yourself unconsciously with that bowl of ice cream watching TV at night to, to take note of that and try to see what were the thoughts that led up to that action. Is there anything else that people can do to become aware well, of their own self-sabotage? You're absolutely correct that it's easier to see it in somebody else and it's easier to see it in the big things. So the person who always um, finds unsuitable partners always has a problem you know those things are almost almost cliched you you see all of that but what I will tell you is self-sabotage underlies everything any goal that you're trying to achieve if you haven't achieved it there's going to be an element 
of self-sabotage in there. Um, yeah, it's absolutely everywhere. And it's in the small things. It can be, you know, I used to, I used to tell Eldon um, just one, one of those habits of mine, but I would tell him, don't upset me or I'll go shopping. <laughs> you know, that was my threat to him to get him to back off whatever he was saying. But for sh shopping for lots of people is how they deal with stress. Yeah. That 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 is really common. Um, but then you have to go click, click and say, you know, well, that's going to sabotage my other goals because there's other things I want to spend money on. I don't need to buy junk. Don't need, need to buy just anything. Um, so I would say pay attention to how you talk to yourself. If you say, I can't do this, I'm not good at, good at that, this doesn't work for me. Um, all, of, all of those things, how, how you speak to yourself. And we talk to ourselves constantly. Um, it's that internal chatter. So yeah, you pay attention to it. So, um, you know, on when you're having a bad day, okay, here's an example. When you're having a, a, a bad day, Pay attention to your self-talk. It's going to be saying things like, God, this day sucks. I hate my life. I hate my job. I hate this. I can't do that. I always mess up, blah, blah, blah. And that just reinforces you having a bad day. That reinforces you feeling bad. If you can change that self-talk from the inside out, you know, just think about it. When you're having a bad day and that's the talk that's going on, imagine just replacing it with, it's okay, I can do this, I'm good, I know I'm good, I'm loved, it's a beautiful day out there, the sun is shining, I, I have a good life, I'm enjoying it. If, if that self-talk was replaced by that, you're not going to be depressed anymore. You cannot be depressed when that internal chatter says, I'm happy. Yeah. And I'm I happy. think I think a lot of people who may have heard that advice or tried that advice find that they're singing it, but they don't believe it. So there's different that you yeah. can take toward it, right? So that you can just find that spot where you can kind of believe what you're saying and then inch it up from there. Yeah. Um, you know, but that is that is why. Eldon created the inner talk technology for that exact reason, because you're correct. You can say to yourself, I am good. This is why positive affirmations, you know, they talk about having affirmations, putting affirmations up on your mirror and blah, blah, blah. And this stuff, you know, it reminds you, it becomes, you know, almost a subliminal, you know, if you just have it around your house. Um, but it's not enough because as soon as you look at it consciously, you'll argue back. So you say, I am good. Well, am I really? What does good mean? I was kind of mean here and I could have done better there. And I should have been more patient with that person. You know, you, you will argue back. You have these defense mechanisms that constantly argue back. So, um, yeah, the inner talk technology for those who have tried it, it's all about um, presenting it in such a way that your subconscious mind cannot argue against it. It's a bit like, um, you know, we pick up on subliminal information all the time. So, um 
to get an understanding of how it all works. Imagine that you're in a party, you know, there's conversations going on everywhere. You're engaged in your, in your conversation. But then someone the other side of the room says your name and your ears prick up. Well, your subconscious mind was tending it. You know, it's hearing it. It's picking up on this stuff. Um, and it alerts you to when it's significant. So you're, you know, you intake a whole lot more information than you think you do. Another example can be, um, you know, have you ever been out at the stores and you start to hum a song to yourself, say, and then you realize what you're humming to yourself is what is playing, you know, in the background, but you hadn't heard it, mm -hmm. but you've internalized it. And that's what, you know, the inner talk technology is about. It's about bringing it in and internalizing it and replacing it. Now, the other real value to it, too, is to do with the power of bad. Roy Baumeister has got a whole book on the power of bad. There's a great deal of work done, done in this area um, that talks about how, if your spouse says something negative to you, it's going to have a whole lot more power than the positive stuff. You know, evolutionarily, it makes perfect sense that we are more attuned to negative because you need to be attuned to danger. If you're not attuned to danger, you'll get eaten. <laughs> but um, so you have to, you, you know, it, it has a function there, but, in today's day, it has a whole lot more, more power. So John Gottman at the University of Washington discovered that if he looked at couples, he could predict which couples would make it and which couples wouldn't because you need, generally, you need five times the positive for every negative. So if you've hurt your spouse, say, in some way, if you've done something that's hurt their feelings, and, you know, we don't want to do that, you know, whatever, we don't want to hurt our partners, um, it's going to take at least five positive actions. Not a, An apology alone isn't going to do it, you know. You have to apologize. You have to do something positive. You have to have at least five. And John Gottman found that he could actually predict which couples would stay together and which ones couldn't based on the interactions that they have. So the power of bad is really important. And so you go back to how we get enculturated with negativity. Um, every negative input, every small slight, every negative thing that we watch on TV, you know, aging means being decrepit, that goes in there. It all goes into into that subconscious mind bag and the negative things have a whole lot more power. So therefore you have to make over efforts to replace it and you have to hear it over and again. And so, yeah, with the inner talk programs, um, you get that subliminal reinforcement, but you play it over and over and over again. So it feels to me that there are two two kind of different angles that we're coming at from here. There's the the repetition of the inner talk technology. There's there's you can you can counteract it with you know at least five to one on the the good input versus the bad input, and then with the self sabotage, I feel like 
there's we, we always talk in joy school about the the stored pockets of energy from the just the undigested traumas traumas with the big t traumas with the little t the the mini traumas and the things that that really do need to have some element of recognition maybe not the full out memory of the trauma itself but there's something that has to be um acknowledged and released so speak to the difference between those two things because i know that the the people here are thinking okay i i recognize that i have a self-sabotage pattern running can i just use inner talk and, and just override it do i need to recognize what caused it and, and do something for that digestion to happen sometimes you do sometimes as i said you need to look backwards and you need to to release those traumas 99.9% of the time no i don't i don't think that you do but as i said the more you trust yourself the more you you're aware that this information is in your subconscious mind the more you question yourself the more the answers will come up by themselves but self sabotage you know it's not in the big things, I, I think, you know, we may have gone a little bit off track with that. Yes, th there are the big things, but it's everything, every negative thought you have, every time you say, I can't, every time you say you're depressed, this is all self-sabotage because it's perpetuating, perpetuating that. Um, so yeah, for big traumas, yeah, you, you, you know, you go and see a therapist, you go get professional help for 99.9% .9 of these things. No, you don't need to, you can walk forward. You can say earlier, I think before the show, you had someone talking about the fear of success or the fear of failure. You know, they're both two sides of, of the same coin. Um, but when you think you are not capable of doing something, you are not going to try your hardest to achieve it. You can remove obstacles out of your way. And that's what, you know, the self-sabotage is all about. It's about removing, removing those obstacles that get in your way. It's about changing those beliefs from the inside out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think self-sabotage underlies everything all the problems and you know we actually have an eliminating self-sabotage album that that we put together specifically to deal with this from all of its different perspectives and I can't tell you the number of times someone um, has tried to get over something or to achieve something you know Perhaps they've tried the most appropriate inner talk program, but that wasn't dealing with the fact that they are getting in their in their own way. So how do you discover that? You know, how do you root that out? Well, the Eliminating Self-Sabotage album was created just for that purpose. There are nine programs in this this album so you have some hypnosis you have some tones and frequencies and you have some subliminal programs it's it's a 280 dollar value that we have on special right now for 149 but to anyone that hears this podcast i'm going to give you a special code to get an extra 30 dollars off of it so it's just joy school 30 
That's easy to remember. It's an additional $30 off. And if you use that code, if you want, if you want to get the album. And if, you know, on the podcast, when, when, when it goes out afterwards, if someone hears this and, you know, that discount code has expired, drop me an email. Don't um, get caught up in having to d dig out the self-sabotaging from behind. It's all self-sabotage. It is all self-sabotage. Every negative thought. You can have a trauma that caused, you know, a particular chunk of it, but it's all the underfabric to your life. Every negative thought you have is sabotaging your happiness, your success, your progress, whatever you're doing. So just decide today, what is the one thing? Take one step. Don't try to change the world. One step. What will make you happier right now? Bender, thank you so, so much. Is there anything on your heart that I haven't asked you about or that you just want to share as a, a parting sentiment? We've we've really enjoyed this. It's, it's a fabulous group of people that you have here, Lisa. You, you do some fabulous work. Parting thoughts, I would say um, respect your, your mind you know, be aware that you have more power over it. It doesn't have to dictate your life. You can dictate what goes in there. Um, surround yourself with people and ideas that, that support that. And, you know, your joy school, of course, is really vital for that. Um, yeah, just find ways to experience a little bit of joy, just, you know, smiling tit smiling to yourself and the habit will it, it'll it'll add up it, it will it will just add up but yeah just remember this isn't just the way you are and this is how you know how you've been made you have the you have the power to change it you have the power to take conscious control over these subconscious processes that want to sabotage you you just have to make that choice Hallelujah, sister. That is so true. Thank you, Ravinder. Love, love, love to all. Have a beautiful evening. Thank you so much. Love to you all. Deepest gratitude and love to you, my beautiful listener tribe, with representation in 30 countries all across the globe. I'm so honored to spend this time with you. If you're wondering about my online events, my books, joining my Joy School community, all of that is waiting for you at lisamccourt.com. I look forward to connecting with you there. Much love. Untie your hands and throw them up because the world's your lover.
What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation Podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.